Welcome back to our show. Welcome back, everybody. This is Twanda. And this is Rumel. Hi, Rumel. Hey, girl. Hey, how you doing? I am so excited, again, that the world is opening up. I'm starting uh-huh. to, like, buy clothes so I can go out in public. It's, it's amazing. It's pretty, pretty cool. It is. It is. And it's um, interesting because I'm meeting with people and I'm actually kind of starting to meet with people without a mask. And it's kind of like, hmm. part of me is like, I'm not really sure what to do with that. And the other part of me is like, you know, it's reasonable in, in some places. So it's just kind of getting to that point of feeling normal again. I'm not sure when I'll feel normal. With the Delta variant going around, mm. all of my comfort level with being out in public, I'm excited to do it. But now with the Delta variant, I'm back to there's so many questions I have and yeah. I don't know what feels comfortable anymore. And I'm starting to look at my mask again and like my crutches, like, let me just wear it so I can feel better. So I, I'm excited to be around people. Yeah. I'm excited for outdoor events, but I'm having a bit of an issue with what to do about the mask thing no i i'm still 50 50 and most of the time during the day i actually i'm probably more like 75 percent still wearing the mask because i i'm just not there yet yeah but so there's another thing that i've been thinking about because now i'm in front of people more often Mm -hmm. as i've been considering dyeing my hair because ah. I've got I've got some gray going on right here, uh-huh. and and now I literally one time uh, someone was trying to card me for alcohol, and I was like, "Look at this gray! Could I even have all <laughs> that this?" That was gray? when we were in Hawaii. <laughs> I was like, "What?" She was like, grown kids probably older than you are. I was like, but... "Look at the gray," and the gray was enough. It was like, mm, "Yeah, we'll let you go through." Right, right. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah, but but yeah, I had some um, some questions about you know what can I do with my hair and how the coloring my hair, you know, is that good for me? And we were like, who can we ask these types of questions to? Yeah, well, you know, I've been waiting to do this interview not with um, Dr. Kendrick for a whole year, but you know, I've been talking about this topic for mm-hmm. at least a year um, because. It's so important. Like as we age, we're we're doing the the mm-hmm. gray hair thing, mm-hmm. but then also some of us are losing our hair, and yes. it's like part of nature. But is it all part of nature? You know, like is it all part of aging? But I don't know that. So right. we, I, we, I, we are keep so talking cool. to each other, and we don't know answers among ourselves. So <laughs> what do we do? We go find somebody who has the answers. Yeah, I'm great at making up answers, but they're not always right. So we have today with us a guest. We are so blessed to have her. Her name is Dr. Shoshana Kindred, and she is a highly decorated board-certified dermatologist, published research author, and national speaker. She founded the Kindred Hair at Skin Center in Columbia, Maryland, where she specializes in advanced dermatology and cutting edge treatments for severe hair loss in people of color. See why I wanted her to be here, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, and Dr. Kindred attended the University of Cincinnati, where she was only the third person in the school's history to earn the dual MD, MDA, MBA, excuse me, degree. (laughs) And from there, she took up residency and fellowship at 
the Howard University <laughs> and, um, an, instit- an institution that pioneered ethnic dermatology. So I've been Woo-hoo. so excited to have her because she is the woman to have on our show. I mean, I couldn't imagine a better fit because we're talking about hair, skin, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she has pioneered a center that um, I've I'm never heard forward of. to hearing so much more about. So we want to welcome, welcome. Dr. Kindred. Hi there, Dr. Kindred. Hey, thank you welcome. for having me. Yay. It's so fun already. <laughs> Well, that that is that's the idea. We that's just want idea. to plow through some of these things that we don't know about hair. Like, well, hold up, can I? Ba- huh? I, I'm just trying to figure out. I'm gonna be honest with you. I never. Dermatologists deal with skin. I don't know how a dermatologist relates to hair loss. And I guess, you know, scalp and I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to need some clarification because if it sounds funny, but I just never thought about the two mixing. I didn't either. I mean, yeah, never, ever thought about that mixing. And there's a reason for it. So dermatology used to be considered a luxury. So blacks didn't have access mm. to dermatology and unfairly... Mm-hmm. Um, black hairstylists became the hair experts. So dermatologists are the experts in skin, hair, nails, and mucous membranes. Milk, uh, mucous membranes like inside of your mouth, and you know, just inside your vagina, et cetera. Um, I'm sorry, wait, dermatologist? Hair, dermatology, yeah. Inside the vagina? Well, no, just inside the lip is, is a mucous membrane. I mean, further in is a mucous membrane too, but we don't go that far. So we'll do the mouth, but we don't go deep in the mouth or we'll do, you know, eyelids, but not the eyeball. But mucous membrane, skin, hair, nails is dermatology. It's an organ, right? Right. So the skin that is an organ, you know, the skin is an organ. It produces hair, produces nails. If it's not exposed to dryness and, and air, it's still skin, but it's a mucous membrane. But the thing is, what's happened is, especially... Blacks, particularly black women, when you did go to a dermatologist for hair loss, they were dismissive, insensitive, not well trained, incompetent when it came to black hair. So culturally, we just kind of figured out the hair lo- the the hairstylists are the ones that know how to treat our hair. And what's unfair is there are full blown medical diseases related to the hair, mm-hmm. and we didn't know that. Uh, it's an unfair burden that was being placed on on hairstylists back in the day. And now there's enough there's enough of us, black and non-black, that are uh, competent. There's still few and far between, but there's enough of us mm-hmm. where we can now have these stylists' backs. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wanted I want to know more about that because you have this um, hair and skin center where it. I, if I remember this correctly, you've kind of married the idea of dermatology and um, a salon ha- using hairstylists. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, the stylist in my office is Susan Peterkin. She owned a historic natural hair salon in downtown Silver Spring, gave it up, joined my practice. And from the day I opened my practice in 2017, we've had the natural hair salon uh, built in. Mm. And I used to be the first and only. Now I'm just the first. 
um, two colleagues, a, a friend of mine, Dr. Achama Ase Tutu in New York, linked mm -hmm. with a friend of Susan, Dr. I mean, not Dr. Um, cosmetologist Diane C. Bailey. And they've now also done the same thing where they have a full service salon in Dr. Ase Tutu's um, practice. Wow. The point is patients fall through the gaps between what I do medically Mm -hmm. and what stylists are trained to do. So this was our solution. It was actually the stylist, uh, Susan Peterkin's idea. Oh, wow. That's that, that is really great. I mean, I think, like you said, our hairstylists are the ones that have been, the ones that are mm -hmm. in our head. They're mm -hmm. seeing what's happening. And, and I'm sure some things that they've tried have worked for some people. So they kind of make shift and make way and try to do do right by their people, but I'm sure there's a lot of miseducation um, there without having a derma, uh, dermatologist there to kind of work them through that. A ton of miseducation. Um, it seems as though a lot of the, um, you have a, a group of stylists that are like, look, I'm not a doctor, you need to go see your doctor, right? But right. then they go to a doctor that doesn't specialize in hair loss or who doesn't know black hair and then that stylist feels obligated to just do extra, do the best that they can. Right. But there's a separate group of stylists. Um, <laughs> some of them call themselves doctors, right? And the problem is, it's very misleading to patients. Mm -hmm. And it's very unfair to patients because hair loss is a medical condition that needs to be respected. Mm -hmm. It's a medical condition that needs a medical intervention Mm -hmm. And it really breaks our heart every day when at least at least about once or twice a day, um, one of our hair loss patients who's new mm -hmm. um, finally mentally decided to address their hair loss, right? Because mm -hmm. hair loss makes us vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And they decided to go and seek help, admit that they have it, and then go and seek help for hair loss. And sometimes they'll end up with a certain group that will wear a white coat, will call themselves a doctor, mm -hmm. and will pretend like they're offering medical treatment, which is illegal because you need a medical license right. to diagnose and treat. And usually a couple of years ago by before the patients realize something's something's not right. Right. And then they mm -hmm. she'll find her way to us. And I have way fewer follicles to mm -hmm. save once she reaches my office compared to the day she decided, let me seek help for my hair loss. So that's what I love about what you guys are doing because what I need is for our culture to be aware right. that there are now plenty or a decent number of culturally competent dermatologists that specialize mm -hmm. in hair loss. We're not there yet. Right. There's no black dermatologists in the city of New Orleans. Mm. None what? in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm. None in, I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's like deserts, service yeah. deserts for that. Well, can we just go back to like, really quickly what are what are some of the most common factors in hair loss like why do black women lose their hair wait i know i know i know it's, it's because <laughs> our braids are too tight and uh, we don't cover our hair with satin or silk at night and we put too many chemicals in it is that right did i get it right so we're about to stop victim blaming right now <laughs> <laughs> so what that you are describing <laughs> is traction alopecia which we do get from wearing braids too tight ponytails too tight and we will admit our culture is a little bit too obsessed with neat edges 
right? Right, right? As if we all don't know that our hair is curly. Right. Nonetheless, right? right. As if I intentionally, I won't do I don't anything either. to my edges yeah. because I'm just in a position of power and I just let everyone know the way my hair grows out of my head is, is professional too. Okay. I love so, that. So yes, to traction alopecia. But that's not the number one form of hair loss okay. in, say, Black women. If you take off 15 or so forms of hair loss, add them up, there's still more Black women dealing with CCCA than all the other forms of hair loss added together. And CCCA is genetic. What cream is going to stop that gene from doing what that gene wants to do? What herb? Mm. What oil? What satin pillow? What satin bonnet, right, is going to stop the gene from doing whatever the heck it wants to do. So a lot of times the reason why we have, we wear wigs, we wear weaves, we have braids is to camouflage hair loss. Right. Right. And so we're not going to tell the cyst who, who, who has a disease and still needs to be socially accepted and figured out a solution that is all her fault. No, she was just trying to find a solution. Mm. What we have to do is just make sure we're aware that we are genetically prone to CCCA, central centrifugal cicatricial alopecia, and to be aware of it so we know to go to a dermatologist with a specialization in hair loss who's culturally competent promptly and early. Okay. Mm -hmm. So say that one more time for the people in the back. (laughs) It's central Uh because it likes to affect the center of the scalp. Okay. Centrifugal, which means it starts off small and it kind of spreads. Yep. And yeah. usually in mm-hmm. kind of a circular motion. And cicatricial, which means it leads to permanent scarring, permanent defection, destruction mm-hmm. of the follicles. And then alopecia, which is the medical term for hair loss. Got it. Yay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like to see. Right. Thank you. I was just about to ask you what the symptoms were. Like, what do you see? But you just basically went through that. So... Oh, 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 no, we don't get off that easy, okay, right? Let's go, like, let's go. Like, it, it feels like when we get stuff, we get stuff. Okay. So, CCCA, um, the scalp is flooded with inflammation. Mm. So, mm. when it's mild, maybe it just feels like itching, okay. not related to dandruff. Okay. You know how ladies sometimes will pat their head because it itches? Yeah. Um, but they're not scratching it. Um, then sometimes it's just like a tingling or stinging sensation. Mm-hmm. It can get more intense, a burning sensation, tenderness, soreness, and sometimes outright pain that can wake you up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. What's, but see, the thing is, patients with those symptoms, they're going to come to the doctor, right? Like they kind of know if something's not right. They need to go mm-hmm. into a medical facility. What's unfair is the patient has no symptoms, right? Uh, okay. They don't feel the, the inflammation. Mm-hmm. but the inflammation is smoldering like a mild simmer mm-hmm. destroying the follicles. And that's where it's important for hairstylists to immediately say, Hey, I see your part is starting to widen or your hair is not as thick or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you need to go see Dr. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. And what we have, what we have to do, unfortunately, is the stylist can't say, go see a dermatologist because mm-hmm. the same thing is going to happen. You're going to send them to a dermatologist and go to the local dermatologist mm-hmm. who maybe, you know, like we didn't train at Howard university right? <laughs> right. or maybe who, you know, we're still trying to teach our colleagues what a, what a pressing comb is, what a, mm-hmm. you know, what braids are, what are French rolls and, 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 and French braids and cornrows. Right. So 
we really unfortunately need stylists to take that extra step and be connected with the dermatologist that's the right fit for their patients so that they just have a direct pipeline for their patients to send when uh, when they see early signs of hair loss. Got okay. you. I have a question then. It feels like it feels like you're saying that we need to go to a black dermatologist every so many years for checkup like we do for other things that you check at a certain time because if we can't feel it but it could be there that's like checking for cancer and checking for um that type of thing does that make sense like a mammogram <laughs> unfortunately i can totally see how patients can see that now i am definitely trying to increase the numbers of blacks in dermatology because we only make up 3%. And we only make up 3% if you include um, Nigerian and Ghanaian and other people in the diaspora. If we're really talking about those of us who are descendants of Africans that are enslaved, I would guess it's probably one or 2%. But nonetheless, I know, nonetheless, that's where you usually can count on having a dermatologist that knows your hair. Here's what's unfair about that. If I didn't know what a tanning bed was, if I didn't know why people like to go to the tanning salon before they got, if I didn't know how to diagnose precancers, et cetera, I would be considered an incompetent dermatologist. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? I see where you're going. I see exactly where now, this is going. I went to an HBCU for training, Harvard University. Nowhere in my training that they say you only need to learn about Blacks. Mm-hmm. You only need to know about keloids and sarcoidosis and hydrogenitis, separative, et cetera. No, the expectation is that we would be trained in such a way we knew how to help anyone who walked through our door, mm-hmm. whether we had personal experience with it or not. Yes, I was expecting it all about tanning beds and and trying to tan on the roof at high noon on aluminum foil with Crisco. <laughs> I was supposed to understand all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's we're barely getting to a point where that's starting to be reciprocated. So that's why patients are going to feel like they need to go to a black dermatologist because they they can sense that they need to go to someone who understands their hair and skin. My colleagues are still telling black patients to wash their hair with a very harsh prescription strength shampoo twice a week, which trips and damages our hair and breaks it off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sh- shame on them. Right. <laughs> Uh, right? Because mm-hmm. we're hair experts. Okay, you don't do, you know, stem cell therapy for um, hair loss, but you should know how to competently care for a patient with dandruff. Right. right. Oh. I mean, it honestly, it really just goes back to the whole um, disparity between Black people and medicine. Yes. It just goes back. It just plays right into that whole thing um, that we, that plagues the United States and black people not or people of color not getting the type of care that they need because we are just we haven't been focused on and so of course it makes sense we're not good it, it you don't focus on which is not valued and and, and and now look what happened we got caught with our pants down mm-hmm. right so we've known for decades mm-hmm. that there's a well-deserved mistrust by Blacks of the medical community, yep. right? Yeah. And now we have COVID. Mm-hmm. And we all know we will never reach herd immunity if Blacks do not get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. What you can't do 
is mistreat a group. Yep. And then when you need them, say, trust us. That's right. Take the shot. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. So the trust should have been addressed as soon as we realized the trust was present. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now we have a global pandemic mm -hmm. that is wreaking havoc on our country. It has destroyed the economy. It has destroyed education. Mm -hmm. It has destroyed families. It has destroyed the healthcare system. And for the people who want to fix it, it's not like, dang, we should have repaired that mistrust decades ago. Right. We got caught with our pants down. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, okay. agree with you wholeheartedly. I feel like you're stepping on my toes. <laughs> because, because, well, when you, when you started with the don't start with the victim blaming, I think I live there because I get upset with people who don't want to take the vaccine because I want everybody to be covered by that umbrella yeah. where, and I don't understand the mistrust as much, but I think I hear you saying there's so much mistrust. And the truth is I have a lot of mistrust myself. Mm -hmm. You just gave me more, um, uh, fuel for my argument that medicine um, and black people, you know, we, we're at a huge disadvantage and I'm seeing more of that in our conversation. Well, uh, it's right like now. we're in an abusive relationship, right? Yes. You know, <laughs> seriously, yes. they want you to, you know, listen, Trust but them. they're backslapping us when, you know, when we're not looking. And so it, that's, it, that's what it feels like to me. But anyway, I could go on about that for a long time. I know, I know, I know. But you got on my soapbox a little bit. There's one last okay. thing I have Go to for it, girl. <laughs> to, right. um, your thing, Twanda, okay, so we just need to see a black dermatologist. I kid you not, there is data that says that if black patients are cared for by black doctors, the patients live longer. Mm -hmm. mm. Live longer. Yeah. Are offered life-saving procedures. Are, I mean, it's, so while, and I'm saying, and I'm a physician, love being a physician, work with physicians, will always be a physician, um, but it's something where the medical community, right, just needs to eat humble pie, said so we haven't been doing enough and we, we, we should have, mm -hmm. roll up our sleeves and turn it around. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start with me and make sure I have uh, my Black doctors. And I will tell you in my experience so far, and, and before, I might not have wanted to say that publicly because maybe it sounds a little racist, but no, I'm, I'm in a different place. I'm over 40 at this point, so I say what I want to say. And I realize now that I have to look out for my best interest, and everybody can't do that. And I, I dabble in psychology a bit, and I know that they might not realize it, but I have to be smart enough to take the information like what you are providing me and say, if I'm going to look out best for myself, I need somebody who understands what it's like to be black and have black issues to look after me health wise. And I've gravitated towards that, but I didn't. Um, yeah, I think this I just, just put some evidence it. behind that. You feeling. did. You did. Thank you. Thank you. We need so to do it more so it's actually black men. And so uh oh, unfortunately, yes. black men respond better to black male physicians. But there are just as many black men in medical school as eighty years ago. Mm, right? Yeah. There are more in 
1970 than they are today. So we have a huge crisis with there not being enough black men uh, going into medicine. Now, here's the thing, we're having this conversation and someone is gonna say, well, Dr. Desai and Dr. Lebowski Mm -hmm. are not racist. They've done so much for the black community. They're in the trenches. Okay, if we wanna talk individual, we can bring just as many cases of a non-black who's excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably for every non-black is that's excellent, we can probably bring two or three that that weren't. If we want to do it individual, where well, we're talking, we're just doing broad brush strokes, mm-hmm. right? Bird's eye view, mm-hmm. averages, and you know, high level generalizations. There's always exceptions on either side of the, the argument. For anyone who wanted to pick apart that part of our discussion. Well, it wouldn't be I me. I don't think they will. <laughs> I, like, I don't think they will. It wouldn't will, be me. But... <laughs> oh, gosh. Now, when Tawanda was, when Tawanda was um, blaming, yes, don't look at me crazy. I'm talking about you. <laughs> um, about, you know, wearing, uh, about our edges and braids and things like that. Is there a point where those styles we call them protective styles but are there is there a point where those protective styles are not protective they're actually harmful or you know are are we right to wear all this stuff Mm -hmm. yes a hundred percent every protective style is not so protective a lot of times i'll just see it updo or braids and then the label protective is slapped on there Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um I'm not sure who coined the term protective. I'd be very curious as to what, how they think this trend is going. But no, if it's too tight, mm-hmm. if it's pulled in one direction too long, mm-hmm. um, if you had to put goo globs of gel or, or whatever chemical on to get that hairstyle, it's not protective, right? right? Like my hair is about as out as it can be. So yours as well. And this is a very healthy hairstyle. What it is, is what we've been saying is the more we leave black hair alone, the happier, the the healthier it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think it got a little bit um, misinterpreted, if you will. So no, you can't pull on on the the hair follicle like a tug of war Mm -hmm. and call it protective. Right. So it's only protective if it's out, if it's loose. Like what is protective then? You can. So like, um, and this is where the stylist usually jumps in on a conversation for the patient. Things that we have not seen lead to worsening of hair loss or causing traction alopecia Mm -hmm. are two strand twists. Mm -hmm. It seems like you can't get as much tension on it with the two strand twists. They tend to be looser. Okay. You know how you can get your hair braided and it feels fine, but two days later it feels tight. Mm -hmm. It's something about that with, with, um, braids. Um, ponytails are fine so long as you're not pulling on those edges french braids or cornrows are fine so long as they're not too tight a wig is fine so long as you have a protective band underneath that um that kind of wig cap the kind of stocking material yeah that's too thin that's not really protecting much of anything okay but it's the one it's a thicker band we carry it in our office. Um, no conflict of interest, but um, the term to Google would be wig grip. Okay. And it's a, a pretty thick band that goes right where the wig would lay. Mm-hmm. And it protects your edges. Almost any style, almost any style can be protective or detrimental outside of a, a TWA. 
but anyway, Avra. <laughs> Locks can be protective or not, right? Okay. So it's why now in the two different times we no longer use the term protective. Locks, like I have locks, and I think I'm. I just assumed I'm doing the healthiest thing for my hair because there's no chemicals going in there. I can wash it all the time. Like I feel like I'm doing the best thing. When is it that locks aren't actually protective? Locks very commonly are not protective. Look, don't take my black card, y'all. Don't take my black card. No, I I want to be educated. (laughs) So, um. We as dermatologists, at least us black dermatologists that are in the know, have not done a good enough job with locticians the way we have with hairstylists. Mm. We're tightening our locks too tight, right? So we twist it, twist it, twist it, twist it down to the root. And we twist it some more. That's how you do it. it palm roll. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. Twist it a little bit more. That's how you do it. Right? And it's you not until it. it is slick straight. Yes. Just like that. Is it done? <laughs> Right. That is just as bad as a tight ponytail, as braids, too tight, et cetera. Um, But it's a part of us being assessed with neat edges, except instead of it just being along the hairline, it's all all throughout Uh the scalp. And we have patients where when they get rid of their locks, their scalp looks like a checkerboard from where the center of the lock was and where the hair was pulled out. And where the sense of the lock was and where the hair, it literally looks like a checkerboard. Yeah. And we have to work really hard to try to fill in those um, bald spots. I know. Oh. It's, yeah, that's mine. I'm being educated. Mine is blowing all this whole <laughs> interview. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that is very interesting. And I, I, I always wondered about that, to be honest with you, because you have the, it's so pretty. It's just so pretty. Gorgeous. <laughs> Gorgeous. But, but locks originally were pretty, pretty freestyle. Yes. And then I think we kind of took our vision of edges being neat and oh, yeah. looking straight, but we know it ain't straight. And we yep. added that piece to it. We need to go back to happy to be nappy. That's the thing. <laughs> I, I, no, seriously, because it's all about looking like it's straight, it's done, it's fixed. We right. uh, that's the way, and it's actually you know ease of of you know working with. So I I think it's a mindset that we have to work through. Yeah. You just taught me that protective isn't what I thought it was. So I'm now having to reassess like, okay, I want to be protective of my hair and this is how I do it. And then I have to be comfortable with it because that means you won't be able to see my scalp next time. It's just going to be all that fuzz. And I have to get comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And that is okay. So it's for um, what we're doing is very systematically. Um, those of us that have conversations like these. So those of us that are in positions of power mm-hmm. are intentionally wearing our hair natural mm-hmm. without need edges, right? taking headshots, giving interviews, et cetera, so that we can change the mindset on what is considered professional. Now there's a, a bunch of groups doing it independently and jointly, right? Look at the crown act. I had nothing to do with the crown act. We are so proud of the group in California that mm-hmm. started the Crown Act, that when it came here in Maryland, we were fully supportive right. of it. So I um, run my own practice. Who gonna fire me? 
right? Yeah. I'm the head of the National Medical Association, the dermatology section, basically NMA for black doctors. I mean, who's gonna not vote for me because my hair is it's natural. Right. Um, my husband's black, my kid's black, is right? So I'm in a position where I can very, very comfortably walk around happy and happy. Mm-hmm. Because some of us aren't in that position and we can't judge the ones that don't have that power. Yeah. But we're changing it so that that just has the choice. Has the choice, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, I love this conversation so much. <laughs> Well, I wanted I wanted to get into like we as women who are um, trying to take care of our hair at home. Like I think a lot of us that are going to a natural, taking care of our hair while it's in its natural state, we're doing a lot more of that at home, and sometimes mm-hmm. seeing the hairstylist a lot less. Um, and we have all these products to pick from, right? Yes. And I know I've tried to make some stuff at home before. Oh, it's a complete mm-hmm. fail for me. But <laughs> oh, mayonnaise, fail. some um, apple cider vinegar, oh. some essential oil and some coconut oil oh, and stuff. I've if there's an oil, I've put it in my hair probably at some point. Um, <laughs> coconut oil, oh disaster in me and my hair and my one of my kids hair, but the other kids hair liked it. I mean, it was like so many things, right? But mm-hmm. so there's this whole movement to do things naturally, holistically. But what are we doing? Do we, I mean, like, are we harming ourselves? <laughs> I, like, I don't know. Like, I don't, what I do not I like be doing? mushing up avocados and putting them in my hair. <laughs> it is not my thing. So help me out. This is not a simple answer, okay. right? Oh. So there's a study showing that they looked at products that 100% target blacks and compared it to products that 100% target whites. Mm-hmm. Okay. The products that 100% target blacks all every single one, no exception, contain cancer causing chemicals. The ones that target whites rarely contain cancer-causing chemicals, Hold right? Up, and you right. kind of feel like, oh, um, you know, what am I putting on my hair? What am I putting on my my skin? Who made this? Did they have right. us in mind, right? right. And so it's the reason why Shea Moistures and the Carol's Daughters were able to explode mm-hmm. because we're like, okay, this is kind of made by us for us. So our overall wellness is kept in mind, right? And that's also... Why we're like, okay, uh, this company only been around 60 years. We've been doing our hair for the last million years. Let's go back to whatever, right? And so right. that's why so we don't blame people for being a little bit um, hesitant with running to the beauty supply store for products, right? Mm-hmm. Here's what's unfair about that. Coconut oil, like hair grease, clog up the pores. It doesn't allow the exchange of airflow. Gotcha. Um, olive oil feed the yeast that causes dandruff. Oh goodness. Lavender is an endocrine disrupting chemical, and so is tea tree oil. So if you put it on and it absorbs, it starts behaving like estrogen in our body. You don't want anything behaving like estrogen other than estrogen, because estrogen runs around telling organs what to do, right? <laughs> 
Okay, yes. My okay. mind is like freaking out right now. Okay. I need help. Right? So <laughs> we deserve both. Okay. We deserve convenience uh-huh. and affordability and access to products mm-hmm. that are safe. Right. Right. We shouldn't be whipping out looking like we're about to make a salad and then we're putting it on our, our hair. <laughs> but we almost have to. Mm-hmm. Because there. as soon as the ingredient on your product says fragrance, that means you don't know what the heck is in there. Right. Uh-huh. Let me give you an example. Every dermatologist, black or white, promotes sunscreens, even though. Let me not go down that route. Anyway, we all promote sunscreens. <laughs> and there's a study showing that, like, what is it called? Uh, super organics. What was it? Uh, stuff that you would think is organic contains benzene that causes cancer. But it's not like it's going to say benzene in the ingredients. It's it's going to say fragrance. As soon as it says fragrance, you don't know what the heck is in there. Wow. You don't know what's in there. So so what's the solution? If we, if we can't buy stuff, I well, you know, there's a couple of companies that are fine. And you can't make it at home because you don't know what the heck you're doing. Right. What's the solution? The solution is we need to turn our babies into chemists, into dermatologists, into manufacturers, right? Oh, right, right. Right, so that so that we can have convenience, affordability, and safety. Yeah. We deserve it. Oh, so no, yeah. I'm not a proponent of making it at home because people don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Right? Because we weren't trained. Now, if you go in your chemist, my hand. Blah, 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 yeah. right? If you're a chemist, do it. Right. But um wow. yeah, so our that so we we really, really um only limit ourselves to a few products in the salon. We use our own shampoo for mm-hmm. our hair loss patients. Um Susan makes the oils herself, Susan's a stylist in our office. Like she is made in her house mm-hmm. and I have reviewed the ingredients and she puts it together so that we know what, um, what's being used. Right. Can I order that online? I'm just wondering, you know, asking for a friend. Oh yeah. You can get Susan's products at Jaha naturals.com. J A H A. Got it. Thank you. Um, only, only allow a few of my products online. Cause I really like to be able to counsel patients on how to use it. What to, is sure. it appropriate? Sure. But Derma myth, D-E-R-M-A-M-Y-T-H dot com is where you can get some of okay. my products. I don't even okay. have my shampoo up there. And we sell about three three to 400 um, bottles of shampoo a month. I got to go to Maryland. Is that what I'm hearing? I, <laughs> I got to make an appointment at my dermatologist hair salon to get but hooked up. That's what I think is happening okay. here. Okay. And, I see this. Okay. So, okay. So you just, you just laid it down for me again on yes something i wasn't even expecting to go there i did not know what you were going <laughs> to tell me and my mind is blown Tawanda literally looked like she was about to fall off her chair because we're just in a place where we're not we didn't know what to do with so okay dr kindred do you have any other hair myths that you want to bust today like do you have oh like something that we are doing that you are just like if i see one more person do this i am going to scream give us <laughs> girl on my toes <laughs> she is shaking her head she is frustrated and tired. she said girl this will not die <laughs> okay give it to us okay. biotin does not work for hair loss Mm, okay. uh, biotin uh, does not work for hair loss. So hair, skin, and nails based on biotin does not work. 
biotin does not work. Now, not only does biotin not work, it's actually uh, harmful. So when you get your blood drawn, biotin messes up the test results. Stuff that's normal will look abnormal. Stuff that's abnormal look normal. Case in point, you have a full-blown thyroid disease. You got a disease mm-hmm. that you can't feel. The way that we can identify is by checking your thyroid levels. Mm-hmm. Biotin will make the levels come out, say, normal. Now you run around undiagnosed. The reason why it's a catch-22, because thyroid can make the hair brittle and damage and fall out. So then you go and grab some hair, skin, and nail vitamins, which is biotin. Your doctor, for totally different reasons, like, let me just check her thyroid. It's coming out normal. Oh, oh my God. I was... Looking at biotin, I was like, my nails are horrible. I would like to do something, get a supplement to help me. And I looked at it the other day, this weekend, thinking, next time I come back, I'm going to buy the hair, nails, and the biotin things. I'm not now. I'm not now. So thank you you very much. Look, all three of us need whoever is the publicist for biotin. Uh, For real. Once they started that, it has been perpetually in motion for decades. It does not work. Okay. Okay. Do you have any more? Because I feel like my hair and my whole health is at risk. <laughs> well, if I don't hear what you have I, to say. I don't know what she's going to say, but I have one question about one. Uh-huh. I, rice, water, slash, oh, she almost fell out of her chair. She fell out of the chair. She almost oh, fell out of her chair. She's dead. She fell out she's of the chair. <laughs> you killed Dr. Kendra with that question. That's the second one. Okay. That I need to die. Okay. <laughs> So I would really like for your listeners to Google how to remove arsenic from rice water. There's arsenic in rice water? Yeah, naturally. Arsenic is in soil. It's naturally in water, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's just we, our body cannot metabolize, break down, detoxify um, more than a very, very small amount of arsenic. The way people remove arsenic from rice is they soak the wa- that rice in water mm-hmm. overnight mm-hmm. and then they throw out, they discard, they get rid of the water mm-hmm. and then they cook the rice at per usual. Mm-hmm. Except people are telling patients, mm-hmm. instead of throwing that arsenic filled water out, mm-hmm. go ahead and s- soak it on your scalp and hair. Right? <laughs> so... Even well, if you rice say it like that worked, <laughs> even if it made your hair grow down to your ankle by Saturday night, I don't want you using rice water for okay. any reason. Okay. okay, so I'm just, okay. I have another question related to rice. All right, because there's somebody I know and love who told me that they are using rice oil. And what they're doing is they're washing, 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 and then they get rid of that and they ground up the rice and then they seep it in oil, tea tree oil. And oh, oh, tea tree's yes, bad. her eyes, I know this. her I know eyes this. bolt out of her head. Now I love this person dearly, and so I want you to tell my friend who I love dearly who is doing it's this, not me. It's not me. why she shouldn't. Okay. So I do this thing every Monday mm-hmm. called Derm Myth Monday on Instagram to try to like dispel Derm Myth. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to stop Derm Myth Monday because I don't know, probably people are probably tired of hearing 
you know, some of the stuff. I try to do a new one each time and sometimes I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, every week I feel like, okay, I don't have anything to cover. Somebody roll up here with something <laughs> random. So now I have to look up rice oil. Okay, here's one thing. Obviously, I don't want you letting tea tree oil absorb through your skin, right? It's an endocrine disrupting chemical. Mm -hmm. It is a great job of killing bacteria, et cetera, but it also burns the skin. Mm. So, um, and, and there's, there's, okay. I kid you not, if I were to go on to pubmed.gov, I'm going to see nothing about what you just said, but I will look it up. Mm -hmm. All right. And see if there's any research. That, so as a physician, uh -huh. I can't take some rice, grind it up, put it in tea tree oil. And if my hair grows, I say, okay, here, this is a hair growth solution. Right. We need evidence. Right. And it happening to one person, two people, 10 people is not evidence. You have to take a group. They get it. Take a group. They get a fake version. I don't know wh who's in which group. Right. I assess everybody. And then I'm no longer blind. I can tell who got what. And then I see the results. Right. That's when you convince us something right. And then after you do that, we figure out what were the side effects. Who got a rash? Who didn't? Who's allergic? How many people were allergic? Right. Then I know what the side effects are. So by the time we are ever spitting out something to tell you, we've thought about what condition you have, what other conditions you have, what allergies you have, what's in your family history, what this medication can do, what its side effects are, and how all of that melts. Okay. I know how this is done. We all need to go to Wakanda where they have all the hey. black scientists, hey. all the black scientists who have all the technology where we can focus on things that will help because somebody yeah. needs to focus on it and it's got to be us. Yeah. Unfortunately, hey, 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 Howard University. Yes. Oh, yes, I see. I see. I see. I see the tie. It started with oh Howard. It's ended with Howard. I see where this is going. Well, mm -hmm. I I could talk to you forever. Apparently, I, I have really all could, the things, absolutely. but we don't have time for all the things today. <laughs> but I do want to give Dr. Kindred an opportunity um, to um, tell us where we can find her. And so, Dr. Kindred, here's your time to like let everybody know where are you. Excellent, excellent. So, as you mentioned, I'm in uh, Howard County, Maryland, Columbia, Maryland. And my uh, Instagram handle is Kindrederm, K-I-N-D-R-E-D-E-R-M. And the website is kindredhairandskin.com. And our products, you can get it through there or on dermamyth.com. Awesome. And we're going to include those in the show notes that, that so that our listeners can get a hold of you if they're local and or just want to um, order some of the products that you have available. I cannot tell you how much I learned. Twanda, I think, literally almost fell out of her chair four times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, the best conversation. You were everything that I wanted. I'm not this. ready to go. I'm not ready to go. I know. I'm not either. <laughs> I'm not either. I know she has appointments. You have appointments. Yes, everybody has appointments. So, okay. But maybe another time we can have, we can have a different focus. Um you know, maybe talk about skin or something like that. So if you're willing, maybe that will be something we could do. We even have our hairstylist, the hairstylist <gasps> Peter can join us. That's yes. a fun yes. one. Yes. Yeah. That. There we okay. go. I'm there getting go. excited again. I love it. So listeners, thank you for being part of this podcast. Thanks for coming by today. And again, Dr. Kindred, thanks so much for your valuable time. We appreciate it. So until next time, Peace 
and, and blessings. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Girl Podcast. That's girl with three R's. And if you want to participate in our segment, Ask Your Girlfriends, email us at girlpodcast at gmail.com. That's girl with three R's. (laughs) So until next time, peace Peace and and blessings. blessings.